While tackling your New Year's goals, don't forget about your daily dose of fruits and vegetables, which just got easier to remember thanks to Balance of Nature. Their fruit and veggie capsules offer a convenient way to consume those essential nutritional ingredients daily. So improve your diet and feel your best this year. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code WIRE for 35% off, plus a free fiber and spice in your first order as a preferred customer. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code WIRE. Democrats, who for decades have called us all Nazis on an almost daily basis, are outraged that Republican Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene compared them to Nazis. But in a world in which Hollywood sells out American allies to suck up to China, where news outlets actively collude with Democrat politicians, and where Dr. Fauci very possibly perjured himself on the origins of the coronavirus, ham-fisted similes are just not at the top of my priority list. Try as the libs might, they just cannot get me to care about Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Olivia, who says, I'm old enough to remember when liberals called you crazy for suggesting the possibility that COVID-19 came from the Wuhan research facility. Oh, Olivia, I guess you must be yesterday old. Wow. You must be, no, that's not, maybe you're like five days old, I guess would at least, because that's what they were doing up until very, very recently. And all the really fancy responsible people, uh, not just the libs, but even the really, you know, respectable, sophisticated conservatives, they knew, look, to suggest that this came from the lab. That's crazy talk. That's conspiracy theory talk. And now it turns out we were right. We who pointed this out a year ago. What else are they lying to you about? You know, there's a lot of deception out there. If you want to get past some deception in your financial life, you got to go check out Truebill. Truebill is the smartest way to manage your finances. You can review your recurring charges in one place and cancel subscriptions directly through the app. Truebill also has a variety of tools to help customers improve their finances, such as the ability to create a monthly budget and track and evaluate savings goals. You can get push notifications when you're getting close to going over your budget or when your cash is running low. This is a really, really tremendous product. The average person saves $720 per year with Truebill. Get started today at Truebill.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Take control of your finances. Start saving at Truebill.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Make sure that you are not throwing money out the window. People think they spend around 80 bucks a month on subscriptions. Actually, on average, they spend closer to $200. Take control of your finances. Truebill.com slash Knowles. Marjorie Taylor Greene, she's done it. She has upended our political tradition. She is a unique threat to our order and to our civil discourse. Do you know what she did? She did something no one else has ever done. She made a clumsy Nazi comparison. Tweets out, quote, vaccinated employees get a vaccination logo, just like the Nazis forced Jewish people to wear a gold star. Vaccine passports and mask mandates create discrimination against unvaxxed people who trust their immune systems to a virus that is 99% survivable. Outrageous, right? They got a booter from Congress. They've got, we need to take a stand. She made us a sort of clumsy simile 
McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy is the Republican leader in the house. He, he tweets out, Marjorie is wrong. Her intentional decision to compare the horrors of the Holocaust with wearing masks is appalling. Let me be clear. The House Republican Conference condemns this language. Well, that's good. Finally, now, now the libs will like us. Now, good. We're going to score points. They're probably going to give us credit for that too, right? Because we all agree, not, not crazy Marjorie Taylor Greene, but we, the respectable Republicans and the Democrats, we all agree that it is never acceptable. It's so out of character for our politicians to make Nazi comparisons, right? Right? Is that true? I don't like Nazi comparisons because I think they're lazy. I th- usually, it's usually because people don't know anything about history. So they just, every single thing that ever happens, they compare to the one thing in history they sort of know a little bit about, which is the second world war. So they'll say, you know, Trump drank water. You know who else drank water? Hitler did. That's a, so I think they're lazy. I think they're imprecise, but why do we need to rush to disavow this sort of stuff? Why do we need to say anything at all? Marjorie Taylor Greene sent out a tweet using a very common, oh, not my favorite, but it's a very common rhetorical device. Why do, why do we need to rush and say, it's bad, it's horrible, she's terrible, oh no, I'm sorry. I... Who cares? Who cares? She is a, not a particularly influential member of Congress. I think she's a freshman congressman, isn't she? It's not like she's been there for 30 years. She doesn't lead committees. Who cares? I googled. I googled Trump Nazi just to see if really Marjorie Taylor, she's the only politician ever to make one of these comparisons. Just, just the first page. I looked just at the first page. I just open, open, open. I, I didn't even open all of them. Here you go. Here's a stack. Here's a stack of Washington Post. Trump's refusal to acknowledge defeat mirrors the lie that fueled the Nazi rise. There's one. Uh, Trump obviously admired Hitler, says Anne Frank's stepsister, referring to claims that he, he studied his speeches. Okay. Unsubstantiated claims, by the way. I think that was Business Insider. We've got uh, CNN's Christian Amanpour contra- compares Trumpism to Nazi pogrom. Okay, there's one that's from CNN, right? The Austin American Statesman. Trump takes tactics from Hitler's playbook. Okay, there's that one. Oh, here we go. This is from The Guardian. Spike Lee compares Donald Trump to Hitler. That's another one. Here we go. WBUR. Uh, this is actually hosted by uh, Harvard. So you can, you can find this on, on Harvard's website. One scholar on similarities and substantial differences between Trump and Hitler. There you go. There's one. Uh, we've got the Dallas News. Joe Biden likens Ted Cruz to Nazi propagandist Goebbels uh, for helping Trump spread big lie about election fraud. Oh, there we go. There's two, two Nazi references in there. That's from Dallas News. For, uh, the sitting president, by the way, did that. Uh, opinion here. In the Inquirer, is it wrong to compare Trump to Hitler? No. And not just Democrats, by the way, some Republicans too. Here's Sky News. U.S. Capitol riots. Arnold Schwarzenegger compares pro-Trump rioters to Nazis who attacked Jews during Night of Broken Glass. Oh boy, that's like the first 10 search results when you Google. You, I could, we could be here for months, but all that, totally fine. Where, is Kevin McCarthy going to disavow Arnold Schwarzenegger? Are the Democrats going to disavow Joe Biden? and all the others and Christian Amanpour, are they going to, now we're never going to talk to CNN no more. Not, no, no, because this is so contrived. Actually, right now, if, if you, if you had two polls of the Republican party in the house, 
there's Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Who says some kooky things. No one doubts it. Says some clumsy things. No one doubts it. But you got her on one side and you have Liz Cheney. Oh, respectable Liz Cheney. She's the conscience of the Republican party. She, can you believe those Republicans kicked her out of her leadership position? So awful. She's a good kind of Republican. Okay. Look, Hey, look, I'm a Democrat. You know, you hear this all the time. I'm a Democrat. Okay. I hated Bush. I disagreed with Bush, but he, they were respectable Republicans back with Bush and Cheney, not like Trump. So Liz Cheney, let's say Liz Cheney would never, Oh no, she did. She made a Nazi comparison like three weeks ago. Quote, the 2020 presidential election was not stolen. Anyone who claims it was is spreading the big lie, turning their back on the rule of law and poisoning our democratic system. What's funny about this one, it, so the, the big lie is a phrase coined by Hitler in Mein Kampf. But what's funny is that the supposedly sophisticated, intellectual, serious Republican, Liz Cheney, is using, and, and all the Democrats, by the way, are using that phrase in the wrong way. <laughs> when, when Hitler coined the phrase the big lie, he was accusing Jews of spreading a big lie about Germany's defeat in World War I. So when, if you use the analogy in the way that Liz Cheney and the Democrats are here, they are actually putting themselves in the position of the Nazis. The only difference I see here is that at least Marjorie Taylor Greene's clumsy Nazi comparison was coherent. Liz Cheney's, which she sent out just three weeks ago, not even, was not coherent. But we need to disavow her. Disavow her. Every everybody is making these comparisons. I think except for me, I think I might be the only person <laughs> who does not make Nazi comparisons in public life. How many, all the, the sophisticated Republicans do it. The, you know, the really the special, you know, elite Republicans do it. The, the base Republicans do it. The, the, every, you know, faction thereof, the Democrats do it. So why is it a big, why is it only a big deal when Marjorie Taylor Greene does it? because the left is pushing an agenda and they don't like her and they don't like her raising any questions about, about their various programs. And they know that she's an easy target because she says kooky things. The left is pushing an agenda with the help of squishes. You know, what, what's the, what is the worst, most horrible event in the history of the United States? Uh, Maybe you would say September 11th. Yeah, that's a good, good option. Maybe you may Pearl Harbor, you might say. I don't know, the Civil War, that was pretty bad, huh? No, no. What, what the libs would like you to believe is that at least tied for that title with, with those events, if not even superseding it, the capital insurrection of January 6th. Do you don't need to, don't take the libs word for it. Even respectable Former Republicans like George Will say the same thing. We have something new in American history that is a political party defined by the terror it feels for its own voters. That's the Republican Party right now. Every elected official is frightened of his voters, therefore doesn't respect his voters, doesn't like his voters, and is afraid that a vote for this will be seen as an insult to the 45th president. There's no reason. I mean, McConnell has a point. There are going to be lots of investigations. Journalists are going to go through this. There are 450 some criminal charges now being brought with 100 more probably to come. So there's going to be lots of information about this. I would like to see January 6th is burned into the American mind as firmly as 9-11 because it was that scale of, of shock to the system. And I think there will be a commission. 
but it is controversial for that reason. He would like to see one six burned as firmly into the American mind as nine 11 because it was the same sort of shock to the system. George Will believes that January 6th is among the worst things to happen in American history. I don't think that's true. I don't think it was. I think it was bad. I don't like it. I didn't participate in it. But I don't think that the horn guy dancing around the desks and the smiley guy stealing Pelosi's lectern, I don't think they're among the worst things ever to happen in American history. I don't think it was the worst thing to happen that year. That year, right, the year leading up to January 6th, you had, you had leftists burn down the country, city after city after city, civilian buildings, government buildings, killing innocent people, burning down businesses. Where's the commission? Where's George Will's outrage? The, the Republican elected officials, they d- disrespect their voters. They don't, they're afraid. They hate their voters. I think George Will is projecting here. I think he has no respect for the Republican voters. But very often, I think, the Republican base voters have a little better handle on things than do the genius elite expert participants in the liberal establishment. Just getting back to that example at the top, just look at the the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the Republican base knew from the very beginning that that Wuhan Institute of Virology, that was a little coincidental how close that was to where the virus was discovered. But all the genius elites in both parties said, no, it's crazy. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. You're so ignorant. But we are going to have a January 6th commission. I think. The left is going to force on us a January 6th commission on the scale of the 9-11 commission. There won't be a summer of 2020 commission. There won't be a BLM commission to discover an Antifa commission. None of that. Just, we got to get to the bottom of the horn guy dancing on the desk. It's tactically brilliant. The left is really, really good at tactics. Give you a case in point on a totally separate issue. David Hogg. David, what is the point of David Hogg? David Hogg is the kid who was in the school shooting. There are many, many kids who were part of the school shooting, but he sort of became the celebrity from it. And he used this starting around age, what, 18, 17, 18. He used this to start pushing for gun control. He's now, I think, 37. I don't, (laughs) he's, he's, you know, he's old. He's not a kid anymore. And he's at Harvard. He got admission to Harvard because of this. Uh, simply because of his celebrity from the the shooting at at his school. And they trot him out every time they want gun control. They trot out this guy who still looks young. What is he now? He's like 20 or something now. So he's, he's definitely got an expiration date on how long he'll be useful to the liberal regime. But they trot him out every time they want to push gun control. And they have him use the same talking points. And then they take him off. Take, they just did this on CNN. Take a listen. Thank you for having me on. Um, David, I'm sorry that through no choice of your own, this has become your area of expertise, mass shootings. But here we are again. Pause, pause. You're not sorry. She's, what is she? Uh, David, I'm so sorry that we're having you on. No, you're not. You invited him on. <laughs> you're David. I'm sorry that this is what you're now known for. What are you talking about? You, you did this. You, 
you created David Hogg. <laughs> you contrived him to just be this guy to do this for you. And he's not sorry either, by the way. There were a lot of kids in that shooting. How many kids were at the school during that shooting? The vast majority of them we've never heard from because they've just gone on and dealt with the trauma if they were to have experienced trauma firsthand, and then they've moved on with their private lives. Some people used it as an opportunity to become celebrities like David Hogg. So nobody hears, I'm so sorry. It's such a ridiculous performance, but that's the tactic. You had this foisted upon you. You child, how old are you now? You're 42. Okay, you, but you... Tell, now you need to tell me, because it's your area of expertise. What's your expertise? Absolutely nothing. But you're on CNN, so you got to be an expert. Tell us why we need to get rid of the Second Amendment. I think it's about fear. I think it's about the fact that uh, as a country, oftentimes we would rather, unfortunately, turn on each other and point to someone's skin color or point to someone's immigration status or their gender or their sexual identity and, and claim that's the threat, when in reality, um, we should all be working together against the sources of evil that are creating this gun violence and the injustice that promotes this gun violence and gun purchases in the first place. Because the reality is what's going to help solve this situation is not somebody buying, you know, another AR-15 or another gun. Uh, it's going to be all of us working together to, to change the political system and the corruption and system of loopholes that has brought us to this place where a corporate, you know, a, a corporate lobby, essentially, like the NRA, is able to put such a, a, a chokehold on our elected officials that they're letting thousands of Americans die every year simply because they're more afraid of what the NRA will do in their next election than whether or not there's going to be another school shooting in their community. Did anybody follow the logic here at all? He said, you know, look, we need to stop. We need to stop all this hatred and the hatred against people on the basis of race and sex and sexual preference. And that, you know, we got all this hatred, right? So he's saying that all the shootings are caused because of racism or whatever. This is a typical boilerplate leftist slogan. Uh, Now, I don't think there's a lot of evidence of that. You know, I don't don't think uh, black on black crime is caused by racism, right? I don't think it's sexual identity or something. Not really. I think there are other issues here at play with gun violence. But he says, so that's the problem. And so instead of focusing on, on that, the hatred and all that, we need to stop the people from buying the guns because that, that's the, where the injustice is and the corporate lobby and the, well, hold on. I thought the, the problem is the hatred, right? I'll actually, I mean, he's using clumsy rhetoric, but hey, aren't we all these days? He's using clumsy rhetoric to, to address the gun problem and say, you know, it's just hatred and okay, fine. So the problem is the hatred. It's not the guns. It's not the tool. It's not the NRA. The NRA is, so let's address the hatred. No, well, if we take away the instrument, then we'll, and you know, and the corporate and the hay, and it's the injustice. And so it's just completely meaningless, completely meaningless stuff, but it's good tactics because if they had an adult, like a proper adult, not a, whatever he is, 20 years old or 21 years old, if they had a, I don't know, Someone like, like a 30-year-old, for instance, <laughs> or, or somebody with a few gray hairs on their head, then they wouldn't be able to get away with that kind of nonsense. But because the kid can still at least sort of play a kid on TV, they're able to use that. That's a very effective tactic. The left focuses on schools in no small part for this reason. One, they can exploit the kids to push their propaganda. But two, they can transform the mind of these kids. Right now, there's a school in Oregon that is demanding that in its classrooms, they fly not just an American flag, 
They probably wish they could take that down, but they can't. But then next to the American flag, at the very same size as the flag, the gay pride flag and the Black Lives Matter flag. Apparently Black Lives Matter is a flag. So this is pr- progressive pride, right? I mean, this is, these are progressive flags. Why would the schools do this? I mean, you, you, you have a, an American flag in your classroom because it's your country and you have a loyalty to your country. And the classroom could not exist without the country. That's what you pledge allegiance because it's your country. But do I, I now have to pledge allegiance to BLM, an actual Marxist organization? If I go to the school in Oregon, I have to pledge allegiance to the pride flag? What if, what if I'm Christian or Jewish or Muslim? What if, I, what if I don't go along with the pride ideology? What if I don't think that boys can become girls and girls can become boys just by wishing it so? then I am not, I'm not welcome in that classroom, right? That is not the kind of education I'm getting. There was a, a leaked clip. There was this one woman, the, I guess the somewhat conservative woman on the school board saying, guys, this is a little crazy. We got to, we should cut this out probably. And the progressive on the school board, one of the progressives on the school board says, absolutely not shuts down the debate. It is a total analogy. It's a, t- a per- perfect example of what's going on in our broader public discourse. Well, I mean, you know, I've also been receiving a lot of racist hate mail as well because of this policy. I think it's very important that we make a stance and we confront that all this pushback is wrong. And honestly, the amount of pushback that I'm getting back from the board, it's not cool either. Like what Robin said, this is stalling. It's pushing white supremacy. It's getting in the way of progress. Like you tell me when in human history, progress was a bad thing. We are trying to make sure that everyone is seen and heard. This this policy wouldn't even be such a big deal if it wasn't for board members trying to push this and get the public involved. This is just pushing unnecessary trauma and it's really inappropriate. We're trying to make sure that everyone is seen and heard. And that's why we are trying to completely shut out the public. The reason this is a problem now is because some awful conservative school board members are inviting the public in to have a say over the public schools. But we want to make sure everyone's seen and heard, which is why we've got to shut up the public and keep them out so they can't figure out what's going on. Don't you understand? That's progress. When has progress ever been a bad thing in human history? Like what? You think that progress would ever lead to a system of eugenics? Actually, (laughs) not to invoke a Nazi comparison, but I guess that's the topic of the day. The early progressive era was the pioneering era of modern eugenics, right? It was the progressives pushing eugenics. People like Margaret Sanger, people like George Bernard Shaw, people, uh, many, many prominent progressives. It, that's bad, right? Can we, I mean, I, the left still pursues the same system today, but they, they at least don't acknowledge it. Back in the early 20th century, they did. They, they embraced it. They said, of course, we need to get rid of all these undesirables in our population. I'm not, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be condemned by the Republicans in the House, so I can't. <laughs> I guess I can't make the comparison to Germany, you know, but, uh, but it's funny because this school board member totally sets it up. You see the total confidence in progress, the total confidence of progress is not, it's not about bringing everyone in and making sure everyone is heard and democracy and the people. It's quite the opposite of that because progress is scientific, right? Progress. We know the science of history. We know the science of politics. And so actually the more progress we have, the more progress we want, the less democracy we can tolerate. 
because those people are just going to get in the way of the science that we, the leftists, have figured out that uh, you just got to trust us. It'll all be fine. After a year of lockdowns, prices across the country are rising in tandem with left-wing insanity. You're probably ready to hear some voices of reason and logic make some sense out of it. So please throw out your mask and join me, Jeremy Boring, Ben Shapiro, and Andrew Clavin tonight for another cigar and sanity-packed episode of Backstage. Streams tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on dailywire.com and on our YouTube channel, Daily Wire. By the way, if you would rather see Candace Owens in real life, not just trending on Twitter, today might be your lucky day. If you sign up as a Daily Wire member with code VIP, you will get 20% off your new membership and be automatically entered for a chance to win a trip to the Daily Wire studios to see Candace live. Not only will you be meeting Candace, you'll be getting an inside look at her studio, our office, and front row seats to watch her live and in action hosting Candace. And once Candace becomes like the biggest show in the world, we're all just going to change our show. So the Michael Knowles show is going to become Michael. We're going to have Andrew. We'll, we'll all be like Oprah. Go enter for a chance to win Candace VIP pass right now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code VIP for 20% off. We'll be right back with a lot more. So we just heard these crazy school board members saying, we got to shut out the public. We have to have every student saluting the, the BLM flag and the pride flag. And if we even allow members of the community to weigh in on this, that's going to hamper and impede progress. Conservatives are finally fighting back a little bit. I was really pleased to read this yesterday. A new political action committee was launched uh, dedicated to eradicating critical race theory and the 1619 project. Uh, in U.S. schools, and it's going to target local school board elections. It's called the 1776 Project PAC. It was started by Ryan Jurdusky, who's a political consultant and who's uh, really tuned in. I love to follow Ryan on Twitter. Got a pretty strong sense of things. Uh, he says, quote, this is the first national political action committee to target local, historically nonpartisan school boards. This according to Axios. Great news really great news. Republicans are pretty good at dealing with the national issues. We're pretty good at, at least some Republicans, some minority of Republicans are good at identifying the problems and even making logical and coherent arguments. But we're not so good at local on the ground political organizing, at, at local nitty gritty races that don't get a lot of attention. Part of the reason for this is a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The left has the big institutional political network. So they dominate everything, right? They dominate not just the government, the administrative state, but the big tech and Hollywood, and we'll get to Hollywood in a second, and the universities, and they just dominate all the institutions. So that's already there. They've already got all that network set up. Whereas Republicans or conservatives, if they want to make a splash, they've kind of got to go a sensationalist route. They've kind of, kind of go, go around it. They don't, they don't have that institutional framework. So they go for the bigger issues. But if you want to gain political influence in the long term, you know, if you want to engage in a war of position where you get good positions of influence, then you can finally wield that. A topic that I discuss at great length in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is available now for pre-order. You can get a signed first edition at Premier Collectibles. If, if you want to do that, then you've got to start getting into these school board elections. Great stuff. I absolutely 
love it, and uh, I, I want to give them my money. Here, take my money. 1770 said, do I have my wallet on me? Take it. Take it. Please have my money. I, I think this is where you're going to see real nitty gritty change going on that could have huge national consequences. Right up there with the schools, however, what is the other big propaganda tool of, of the left? Sure, the news outlets, CNN, MSNBC, right? Hollywood. Hollywood is the big propaganda tool. And Hollywood is forcing one of its stars to bend the knee right now to America's foremost enemy. John Cena. Am I pronouncing that correctly? If he were Italian, it would be pronounced Cena. But I don't know. I I don't know that I've ever seen a movie that he's in. But I guess he's in the Fast and the Furious movies. He's in a lot of, he's in big trouble. Oh boy. You know, there's always some Hollywood scandal. What was it? Divorce? Was it sexual harassment? Drugs? Was he getting frisky with underage? But no, no, that's not the problem. The, the scandal is he acknowledged that Taiwan is a country. <laughs> John Cena committed the egregious sin of admitting that Taiwan, the country of Taiwan, is a country. And China doesn't like that because China wants to conquer Taiwan. So, so John Cena issued an apology, a groveling apology to the Chinese communists in Mandarin on video. Take a listen. I'll translate. Hello, I'm, I'm John Cena. Hey, China, I have to say right now, in Fast and Furious 9, I have many, many interviews. In one of them, I made a mistake. <laughs> Did you know? What's the mistake? Everyone asked me if I can use Chinese people at Fast and Furious 9. I guess his Mandarin's not as good as one would imagine. Uh, they gave me lots of interview information. I, uh, I made a mistake. I have to say right now, it's so, 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 so important. I love and respect China and Chinese people. I, I love, I'm so, so sorry for my mistake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. You have to understand. I, I love and respect China and Chinese people. Oh I'm sorry. This is like a hostage video. This is like one of those coerced confessions in North Korea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's crying. Why did he, he, by the way, you'll notice he doesn't acknowledge the mistake. We all know what the alleged mistake is. He said that China's, or that Taiwan rather is a country and not just a part of China. He doesn't quite acknowledge it. He knows that's going a little far to just deny the existence of a sovereign country. He says, I'm so, so, I'm sorry, please, please, I'm sorry. No. Why? Because if China decides that they don't want Fast and Furious 9 playing in in its borders, then the Hollywood studios are going to lose billions and billions of dollars. The Fast and Furious movies have consistently grossed more money in China than any other country, including the United States. The audience for Fast and Furious is not Americans. You think it's an American movie. It's not. It's a Chinese movie. Yeah, it's with our actors and our studios and our cultural institutions and and it's made in our country, but it's not really for us. It's for China because he who pays the piper calls the tune. 
This in so many ways is what Donald Trump woke us all up to in 2016. He said, there are elites in this country who have sold out your country to foreign powers to the highest bidder. We now, yeah, sure, I guess in class, some classrooms we have to have the American flag, but we're going to have other flags too, BLM, which, right, the BLM is sort of the anti-American flag. It says that America is a horrible, racist, evil, bigoted country. So you got the American flag, then you got the BLM flag that cancel each other out. And then you've got the pride flag, the deadliest of the seven deadly sins, pride, goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You got to salute that one too. Totally drowning out that national identity, which people don't really like very much anymore. And now you've got Hollywood stars groveling. So, so pathetic, so pitiful. The guy just, we, we were talking a lot about castration yesterday on the show. We were talking a lot about similes today on this show. Well, he metaphorically, if not literally, castrated himself before Xi Jinping here. I'm sorry. I'm so, so, so sorry. You notice though that China doesn't do this stuff. Do you ever see Chinese stars? Well, you don't really see a lot of Chinese stars anyway. It's not like China has a thriving film industry. Do you ever see Chinese tech moguls? Well, there aren't really Chinese tech moguls. They just steal our property, right? They just steal our intellectual property. Do you ever see any Chinese representatives groveling, begging the United States for forgiveness? No, because they don't need to. Because we, and by we, I mean our elected officials, and our appointed officials have put ourselves in a very, very weak position. What China does is they limit the number of movies, foreign movies that can play domestically. Even though, and that's so weird because, you know, foreign movies, if you're in China, well, that just means Hollywood. Hollywood is the movie making capital of the world. And they're the best movies, the biggest, the most expensive, the most popular. And yet China limits the number that can play domestically. Why? I'm sure GDP would increase if they allowed more of those movies to come in. The total free market, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be so great? That, that just says that we have to let all the movies in. But China says no, because we're going to protect our culture. We're going to protect our political order. And that's going to mean we limit the, the amount of American things that come into this country. Our stupid elites in this country won't do that. They'll say, oh no, it's great. Nothing could be better for America than flooding it with Chinese investment and cheap Chinese goods, many of which were produced after China stole our intellectual property. Nothing could be better for America than flooding the country with cheap labor from south of the border, effectively canceling out our immigration system and our immigration rules. Nothing could be better for America. That's our strength, isn't it? No, you see the country falling apart all around us. Certainly that's not. China doesn't do it. That's one of my favorite lines from Trump. When Trump said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to institute some tariffs if these other countries don't start, don't start trading more fairly with us. And you had the leftists who opposed Trump and you had the squishy Republican types all screaming like a chicken with their head cut off. You can't possibly institute tariffs. Tariffs are awful for the country. There's no good argument for tariffs ever. And Trump looked at them and said, if tariffs are just uniformly terrible, how come every other country has them? <laughs> if tariffs are so bad, we know for sure tariffs are so bad all the time. Why do all the other countries have tariffs, but we're not allowed to? You're telling me all those other countries are just totally wrong, but we're right? Uh, I'm not so sure. And then what did he do? He institutes the tariffs and he gets what he wants out of the trade deals. 
we are so indebted to China right now, just not, not just as a financial matter, but as a political matter, as a cultural matter, that our own officials, some of our top officials in this country are just lying about China's responsibility for the coronavirus pandemic. How long did we hear from Dr. Fauci in particular, but so many other public health officials, the Wuhan lab had nothing to do with it. I'm sorry. I'll try that again. The Wuhan lab had absolutely nothing to do with the the virus. And we totally didn't fund them, by the way. If you ever see a check that says to the Wuhan lab for funding gain of function research, signed Dr. Fauci, just ignore that. It's nothing to see here, folks. Okay. And he more or less said this. I'm paraphrasing just slightly. (laughs) Uh, he, He said this before the Senate. Well, Senator Rand Paul then looks into it. He goes back on TV and he says, wait a second, Dr. Fauci may well have perjured himself when he denied his cozy relationship with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So did Dr. Fauci, do you believe he perjured himself in front of Congress on this issue? If so, why? Absolutely. He lied to the American people. There was a gain of function research going on with this Dr. Shi Zengali at the Wuhan Institute. In her paper, She actually thanks Dr. Fauci and the NIAID, which is a part of NIH that uh, Dr. Fauci runs. It's listed at the end of the paper. This paper was funded by NIAID research, and it lists a 10-digit number that identifies the research money that she got from the United States. Was it gain of function? Well, it took a SARS virus which is a coronavirus that's 15 times more deadly than COVID. And it added to it S protein, which is something on the surface of it, to make it more easily infectious to human epithelial cells for the respiratory tract. That to me is gain of function. We have at least one scientist from Rutgers and another scientist from MIT who looked at this paper and say it is gain of function. And she says she did it with an NIH fund So you're going to hear this phrase a lot, gain of function research. Maybe you've probably heard it already. Gain of function research is just a fancy way of saying that you you take natural viruses, natural uh, things, and you beef them up a little bit. So then you go in and artificially beef these viruses up. That's basically all it means. And so did China do this? Well, we know China was doing these sorts of things. That's what Rand Paul says right now. He says, that's, that's gain of function for you. That's what it is. And we know they had a relationship with Fauci. You can see it in one of the papers. Fauci denies. It's not just Fauci. It's the liberal establishment more broadly. We, we now have a report out that the Trump administration, the Trump State Department, began an investigation under Mike Pompeo into whether the, the pandemic originated from the Wuhan Institute. Makes perfect sense. I'd probably look into that too. Biden comes into office. They shut it down. Why would you shut down the investigation? You have a globe stopping pandemic that originates allegedly 400 yards from a virology institute studying viruses just like the one that got out and, and shut down the world. But you come in and you say, we're going to shut down that investigation. Are they shutting it down because they think it's frivolous? No, they're shutting it down because they know it's true. And they don't want to deal with the political consequences of that because it's, it's going to disturb their cozy relationship with China. 
I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but it sounds very much like our elite officials are, are more inclined to do China's bidding than they are inclined to do the bidding of the American people whom they're supposed to serve. They're not doing that sort of thing. Very, very cozy relationship here. And this is where the corruption lies. When there is a really, really cozy relationship between nations that are supposed to oppose one another, at least, at least serve masters other than one another, right? China's supposed to serve the Chinese people. America's supposed to serve the American people. Now you've got American officials and American cultural leaders doing China's bidding. That's pretty weird. And it's true in other cultural institutions as well, such as the media and elected officials. We now know in the latest Cuomo scandal, how many Cuomo scandals can there possibly be this year? You got the nursing home scandal where Andrew Cuomo sent a bunch of sick people into nursing homes and killed thousands of elderly New Yorkers, needlessly. You've then got the nursing home cover-up. He knew that the feds were investigating him for this, so he tried to distract and deflect and deny and hide the data. Then you've got the sex scandal, which to me was always a contrivance by New York Democrats so they didn't have to answer for the actual COVID scandal. That failed to get him out, as I called, by the way. Everyone said, Cuomo's out. He's on the ropes. There's no way he's going to survive. I said, ah, this guy's a fighter. This guy's a bulldog. He's very possibly going to survive. And now you've got another scandal, which is CNN's Chris Cuomo, same name, Fredo Cuomo, people call him. Andrew's brother was one uh, giving him adoring, fawning media coverage during the coronavirus. But two, we're now finding out he was actually advising his brother. He was on political strategy conference calls, giving his brother political advice while he was supposed to be an objective journalist covering the stories on CNN. Andrew defends his coziness to Fredo. I had conversations with my brother. I always have conversations with my brother because he's my brother and he's my best friend. Uh, and uh, obviously he was aware of what was going on and I talked to him about it and uh, he told me his thoughts. He always tells me his thoughts. Sometimes uh, I follow them, sometimes I don't. Uh, He was not covering the story. He had recused himself from the story. Okay, so see, he wasn't covering the sex scandal. Right. In itself, that is sort of a scandal, isn't it? Chris Cuomo, Chris Cuomo had no problem covering his brother's political career. The idea that there was a conflict of interest didn't matter. Do you remember? Andrew Cuomo Cuomo was nominated for an Emmy. I think he may have received the Emmy for going on TV on his brother's show and then Tweedledee and Tweedledum doing a little shtick about, you know, mom says you didn't call her. Oh, well, I better, you better call mom. Hey, hey, zing, boom, bop. You know, it's all this ridiculous vaudeville show. Uh, That was totally, that was fine. There was no conflict of interest there. But the minute that Andrew has to answer for something, the nursing home scandal, the sex stuff, then all of a sudden, no, I'm, Fredo's a serious journalist. (laughs) No, I couldn't possibly cover it. Yeah, you can't cover it because now the story is negative. Now, we were talking at the top of the show about some friendly fire among Republicans. They can't help it. They need to take the bait. They need to disavow other people on the right, whenever the left demands that they do so. 
Marjorie Taylor Greene makes a clumsy Nazi comparison. We, do we have to disavow, forget that everyone else has been making Nazi comparisons, the entire Democratic Party and Liz Cheney for that matter. No, that's fine. Marjorie Greene does it. You got to disavow. I, I think it's probably better to back off the friendly fire. I'm not saying you need to be a hack. I'm not saying you need to be dishonest to say something, but there's only so many hours in the day. Are you going to focus on Marjorie Greene? who is not a threat to the country, or are you going to focus on Dr. Fauci and Joe Biden? Where are you going to aim your energy and your ire? Well, finally, pleased to report there's a little friendly fire on the left, actually on CNN. Brian Stelter came out and he suggested that Chris Cuomo maybe take a leave of absence from CNN. The Washington Post revealed that CNN anchor Chris Cuomo joined a series of conference calls to advise his brother, of course, nearest governor, Andrew Cuomo, about how to handle the sexual harassment scandal that has engulfed the governor's office. CNN's Oliver Darcy reported that staffers here at CNN were bothered by Cuomo's conduct and by the violation of journalistic standards. The network said in a statement that it was, quote, inappropriate to engage in conversations that included members of the governor's staff. And they say Chris acknowledges that fact. And Chris did issue an on-air apology to colleagues on Thursday, saying he put them in a bad spot and he won't do it again. Nicole, if Chris Cuomo wants to call into strategy sessions with his brother's aides, shouldn't he just take a leave of absence from CNN? Is that the right solution in the future? Ooh, shots fired. That's pretty big. You have one CNN anchor saying that another CNN anchor should take a leave of absence. Good stuff. And certainly he should have Probably this is Brian Stelter being a little opportunistic and trying to get even, even a sweeter gig than he's already got, uh, but a little friendly fire there. Speaking of the intra-party fights, before we go, I wanted to get to this story. So Liz Cheney is going to be primaried. Uh, Liz Cheney spends all of her, t- it's not even, it's not even because of her votes, right? Her, her policies and her policy positions are relatively quite conservative. They're more conservative than the lady who replaced her, at least Stefanik. But there's this issue, which is in politics, you got to be a team player, you know, and Liz Cheney is not a team player. Liz Cheney sets herself up in opposition more often than not to the Republican party than she does in support of them. And Liz Stefanik sets herself up in support of the GOP rather than opposed to it. Right, politics is not merely about abstract policy positions. It's also about how you work together, how you work as a team. So she's going to be primaried. Uh, one guy who's, who wants to go up against her is Wyoming state Senator Anthony Bouchard, who is uh, running this primary challenge, he disclosed last Thursday that when he was 18 years old and living in Florida, he knocked up a 14-year-old girl. This according to the Casper Star Tribune. Now that's that's a big deal. You know, that's that's a that's a not a good thing to do when you're 18 years old. You know, this is this is a big story. He points out this was 40 years ago. He was 18 years old. And the, the question here is going to be. How, how long do, do one's mistakes stay with one? You know, and, and he did not, he and the girl did not get an abortion or anything like that, you know, pro-life and all that. But it's obviously a pretty, pretty big mistake. 18-year-olds make plenty of big mistakes. 20, 25-year-olds make big mistakes. You know, I mean, a lot of people make big mistakes uh, in their youth. But hopefully, you hope between the ages of 18 and say 25 or 30 or 40, you get wiser, you get older, you move on. St. Paul was a murderer right? People, people can make huge mistakes and turn their life around. So what ability is there for redemption here? A lot of things when we're sniping at people and we have to disavow, it's because of comments they made years and years and years ago. So 
in, in our culture, how can we really move on? You know, the, the uh, line from Roger Scruton, the late conservative philosopher, is that society thrives on confession and forgiveness. You confess what you did and then people forgive you. And when you confess, you sacrifice your pride. When people forgive you, they sacrifice their, their resentment. Both people sacrifice something that means something to them. And then you move forward as society. Are we able to do that? Or is this guy dead in the water because of what he did 40 years ago? That's an open question. I don't know. Maybe it was it's so egregious and our culture can't really get over that, then that, that, that that's going to take him out. But what is it? You know, I mean, I suppose everybody's got a past, right? So what, what is our threshold here? And uh, what, what, is our, <laughs> what is our limit for disavowal? Where, where are we going to focus our attention? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. The left has spasms of outrage because Marjorie Taylor Greene made a Holocaust analogy, even though they make those kinds of analogies all the time. Minneapolis commemorates the anniversary of George Floyd's death with a drive-by shooting at his memorial site. And a viral video claims to prove that it's impossible for a black person to be racist against a white person. Is that true? We'll try to answer that question and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.